0: What's up, fam? Welcome to the Mostly Normal Games Podcast, episode 75. We are recording on Wednesday, November 24th, 2020, the day before Thanksgiving. I am one of your hosts, John Swanson. Joining me today on the pod proper is Mr. AJID.
1: How's it going, man? It's going pretty well. I'm excited to be here. We got a good one today.
0: Hell yeah, we do. This week on the pod, we'll be talking about uh, record-breaking video game sales and Probably not in the way that you're thinking. Uh, Xbox Not So Quick Resume, which AJ put that in last minute. I'm interested to learn more about that one. And we sit down with some of the composers of a little game you may have heard of called Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, Woo! Yeah, they reached out to us to talk to a few of the composers that put together the uh, soundtrack. So you'll hear that at the end of the episode. But for now, we'll get into the lowdown. If you want to be part of the conversation or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can hit us up at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. If you don't use Twitter, you can send an email the old fashioned way to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com or just go to our website, mostlynormalgamers.com, and all of our info is there. You can Check all of our profiles out and fun, interesting stories and sign up for our monthly newsletter, which is yet again creeping upon us in between like Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think it'll come out usually, what is it, AJ, the first Monday or second Monday of the month, something like that?
1: I think Chris has it set up on the second Monday of the month. That gives us a little little bit of time in case we are procrastinating. (laughs) Yeah,
0: or if it lands, (laughs) if July 1st hits and it's a Monday and we're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You can either go to our website to sign up for that or you can go to mngamers.substack.com and sign up there if you would like to get that from us. I know it's picking up some steam since we started it. So that was a fantastic idea Chris had and glad we can get another aspect of our many talents, AJ, basically is what I want to say, out there for people <laughs> to see. You know? Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but that's enough Sounds of that. Yeah, for now, let's get into what we're playing first. AJ, you're it looks like you're playing AC Valhalla, which we'll talk about in a bit. But I want to hear about Godfall because I have noticed that you've been playing an awful lot of that.
1: Yeah, well, unfortunately, friend of the show Gucci Pucci is on is under quarantine right now. Um, his significant other tested positive at work. She's a nurse, so you know she's in contact with people all the time. So he is sitting at home at the same time that I have some time off so we literally went through the entirety of the Godfall campaign together in 2 days
0: That's impressive
1: Yeah and it was I think we did like about 10 hours each day So it wasn't it wasn't too short it was that we played it that much Um I think it took us about 20 hours total to get through it
0: That's all right
1: Yeah I actually played it like well I mean it is but for you know uh online looter shooter or whatever, looter slasher. It's it's maybe a little bit light. I'll get into more about more surrounding that a, a little bit further though. But I just want to talk about the gameplay itself. Like it's so smooth. I don't think I have ever played such a smooth. Like it loses frames now and then, but very very rarely, and more so when I'm playing like online with Gucci. But it's just so like buttery smooth. I just can't stress that enough. It's like when I went from playing godfall to switching back to miles morales i had it on the fidelity mode you know the 30 frames with the cool ray tracing yep yep and it was like unplayable like it was like making my eyes twitch out it was like like the difference was so stark like going from like how perfect godfall ran to to that And, and not given you know they have like the um whatever they call it like frames mode for Spider-Man and I switched to that and it was just fine and it looks great oh, too, but I'm not talking about Spider-Man. Yeah, performance mode. Um, I'm not talking on Spider-Man right now. I'm just talking about how amazing fucking Godfall was. The gameplay itself is really sweet. The combos are more so about like the timing of the button presses versus like different orders of the buttons. Like if you kind of like hit R1, R1, R1 real quick, it does something different than if you hit R1, wait as a beat and then hit R1 again. It's like a completely different move, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, I mentioned a little bit last week how like the haptic feedback comes into that. Like it, when you're doing your combos, if you time it a little bit off, the trigger press will like, won't push down very well. Like you'll, it'll feel that resistance. But oh. if you hit it. Like yeah. But if you hit it right at the perfect time, like it goes right down, like, woof, like butter. So it's like, you can really tell when you're off, which is super cool.
0: That is awesome, man. That's a good use of it that I hadn't really thought of before. Like when you hit, like, uh, think about. I guess Gears of War has always had that, uh, what do they call it? Like, the you know, the reloading feature where you Mm -hmm. hit, like, R1 to reload, and then if you time it perfect, it's, like, gives you a bonus shot. Like, a more powerful shot, like, for the first three shots or whatever. Like, what a fantastic use for the, like, haptic feedback if you hit that perfectly or slightly off, like, to give you that, you know, not visual feedback, but, like, feeling Mm -hmm. feedback. Because in, like, Gears of War, you either... You have to have the timing down like you've done it numerous times, or you have to be looking at the meter as it runs across, which isn't really ideal for gameplay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a cool feature.
1: Chris also brought up rhythm games, like how oh, yeah, perfect that will be when it comes to a rhythm game. Like it's just going like all like perfectly butter. But then when you're just a little bit off, you get that.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's good. So yeah, the Godfall is pretty sweet. It's a little bit grindy, like you have to grind the same boss a couple times to get strong enough to bite, fight the next boss. It's literally like you're inside of a Diablo game. Uh, even the loot kind of looks the same. Is it like isometric different...
0: like that, or is it...
1: No, it's third person. Okay. Third per... So it's, it's kind of like they just took Diablo and gave it, you know, uh, amazing graphics, 60 frames, and put the camera behind the guy.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. I gotta say, man, it, I mean, I've heard nobody say anything fantastic about this game and i knew you would be on the other side of it because mm-hmm. i feel like the thing about loot games man is they don't have to be perfect but yeah if you have somebody to play with like look at avengers man like far from a perfect game but if you have a crew to play with or even like one other person like you and Gucci are playing together like if you got somebody to shoot the shit with while you're playing a game and it's just takes you back to the couch co-op days where the game doesn't really have to be fantastic because that's just another it's just a piece of the experience that you're having as a group you know what i mean yeah
1: there definitely was a lot of that too because we'd be like all right uh well there was a few where there were like different areas you had to go so we could kind of split up and take care of each you know check mark at the same time And then there were other times where we were like, okay, we have to find these three things, split up and go find them. Uh, Those were cool. And then there were other times like, oh, we found this chest, wait there. And then we'd kind of, you know, use the other player's marker to find out where they were. So, yeah, it was a lot of that, you know, back and forth, couch co-op type feeling that you're mentioning. And then there were, I guess I want to bring up just a couple, like there was a few little things that just were really, like there's no mini map, which kind of sucked. like these areas are huge so we're like not sure where we were like searching the same areas over again and stuff yeah there's no matchmaking which is kind of weird so you have to like know somebody that's playing and then like kind of plan it right and then i mean there's a bunch of other like just little like ease of life things that they could add but um for like a launch game uh, you know, it's everything that I've hoped it would be because it definitely it feels next gen, if that makes sense. Like when you turn it on and you get in there, you're like, "Whoa, this is this is different."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Do you have any well, other questions about it? I don't know. I feel <laughs> no. I feel
0: I feel like I've heard a ton about it. Other than, and I'm far from well versed on loot games because it's yeah. really difficult with my life to fit time into do that like sure. i mean the ghost of tsushima one which i really enjoyed and hooked up with some friends to play that once like you know my friend who i was playing with that that with reached out to me this weekend and i just like it's hard to make the stars align to make that happen so mm-hmm. i'm glad you're enjoying it man like because i thought it looked freaking sweet and yeah. oh. if it ever goes on sale i'll definitely pick it up so you can uh sherpa me through it but
1: yeah for sure before we move on to what you've been yeah. playing because i figure we will talk about assassin's Creed. I did want to touch on the end game a little bit. So, like, after you complete the main campaign, there is, you know, it's a looter sh- looter slasher. Obviously, there's more. There is, like, these dream stones or something they're called. And it does this cool thing where you, like, buy a dream stone or whatever. And then there's, like, three rounds. And during each round, you get, like, a clue to which boss you're going to be fighting. So, it's kind of like a random boss from, like, the ones that you've already beat. And it tells you, like like, you go through the first round and it'll be, like it's weak to this or it's strong with this. And then you go through the next round and it'll be like, it does this, it does this. And then you get to pick like some buffs after the second two, before you find out like what the actual boss is. So like, I didn't really know what I was doing. Also didn't really read the clues very well. And I ended up picking like, I think like frost resistance and it ended up being like a flame monster
0: <laughs> oh yeah so like
1: our buff was completely useless yeah and it was like a really hard fight we died like a bunch of times and like grinded through it eventually that's one thing about the game is when you die it just kind of like gives some more health back to the boss and you can keep going so that's kind of cool it just like puts you right back into the fight
0: yeah if they're yeah um, that's bad it's, so you can't your buffs you can't you can't go back and like respec before, before no you before.
1: pick them and then you go into the thing and it like shows you the boss like right after you pick them oh
0: <laughs> no can, yeah, you just, so, can you save but, scum
1: no you like you can um like there's no punishment for abandoning the dreamstone or whatever but you don't get anything for it if you do so like oh yeah so that's a pretty cool mechanic actually we grew United one one dreamstone and then there's another thing um I think max level in the game is 50. When you get to that, there's this um, like Tower of Trials, it's called. It's basically like an elevator and each level gets harder. Um, so like there's a I think like a trophy or something for completing that. Um, so I think we're there's plenty of more time to go back and grind. I think I'm at like level 35 or something. So there's a few more hours to go back in and do some dream stones and then try. Grootie and I are going to try to make it to the top of the elevator at some point.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice.
1: So yeah, that's Godfall.
0: It does sound like a full game, man. Like I mean, if you're saying the story mode's like twenty hours and then you get into grinding and you're at level thirty five, and I feel like just what I've seen when you're like when I'm on PS five, like, seems like you guys are chugging along pretty good at that game. So I think
1: the problem with people playing Godfall is that they're expecting a more story driven, choice based, maybe cutscene type thing, but it's just not that. It's just it's just there for the gameplay. Like honestly, there didn't even need to be a story. I could just they could just be like, go kill this monster, and me and Gucci would have been happy going to kill the monster. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. So
1: I think that's the problem with the reviews is people are expecting more narratively.
0: Yeah. If it, I mean, it, my biggest analog to that would be Monster Hunter World, and I feel like the mm-hmm. the story mode in Monster Hunter World is just kind of like shoehorned in for that reason alone. The story is that like- in
1: Monster Hunter is a tutorial
0: <laughs> exactly and that's, that's like 60 hours exactly <laughs> exactly and that, that I guess that's kind of my point is like I feel like a lot of times developers feel like they have to put this stuff in there to make it a more complete game when in reality mm-hmm. I don't know that that's necessarily what needs to be done but apparently some people think so anyway yeah so what have you been playing I guess since I wasn't on last week and I've gotten my PS five in the meantime, I'll just try to touch on, cause I know you guys talked about it last week and listening to it, but Astro's playroom in, and that basically tech demo for the controller was yeah. fantastic, man. Like the one thing I told my wife was if you closed your eyes, when you turn into like a ball and you're rolling on sand, if you closed your eyes and just did that, and I asked you what you were doing, you would say I'm a ball rolling on sand. Like It's just unfathomable how well they have used that haptic feedback on that game, I think. So just that experience was awesome. And I I think a lot of people had the same sentiment, but I didn't realize how much nostalgia I had for ps2 and just playstation in general and how many good memories because i like there were a couple times i like teared up just like unlocking stuff like when i unlocked that ps2 network adapter and i remember getting that (laughs) and my uh playing fucking socom on yeah like in my college apartment like with crappy i remember my uh roommate playing that was back when they came, came out with the NCAA football games, and he was playing that, and he'd get pissed off and try to unplug it. People would threaten to hack your IP address
1: if you <laughs> yeah.
0: disconnected you from the pitch. network. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, dude, and that would all the time. That still happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does. I just,
0: I'm not as big a part of that community, I guess,
1: anymore. Wait, but up. just
0: all that stuff, man. All the stuff they had for the PSP, like plug in adapter stuff, like a camera and. I mean, I didn't even know half that stuff existed and I had a PSP, but it just, it it was so cool to see, like seeing a UMD disc. And it reminded me of my friend in pharmacy school also bought a PSP and he bought like the GTA game or something that was out for it. And he was like, dude, how does it, how do I put this disc in? And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? It's just like a little thing and the disc is inside of it. You shove it in there. And he was like, oh, I like cracked the whole thing open. (laughs) yes he cracked like the umd open to get the disc out and couldn't figure out how to put the disc in because obviously that doesn't
1: like a 1990s problem (laughs) (laughs) right or whatever yeah whatever maybe 2000 i don't know yeah
0: it was like 2005 maybe or something like that but yeah it just stuff like that just brought a smile to my face and then how they like they had bot charted and then the they tried to make the eco game, you know, look, it said bot on the front, the PS2 disc. <laughs> yeah. And then how, I know I'm just going off on a tangent, but how like some of the discs were like black and I had forgotten about that. And some of mm-hmm. them were like blue you on the you bottom flip it
1: over by punching it.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. And it's, I don't know. That was, that was a fantastic experience. And the fact that they included that for free, man, like if you've been a PlayStation fanboy for a while, like, and you, don't have one of those that's something to certainly look forward to when you get a station sure. five because it was it's such a fantastic experience and even though I platinum did I like I don't know they said there's more to come like at the end of the credits or whatever, so I'm hoping there's either I don't know free content or d l c
1: or something because I just want to go I back and be in surprised there. if they made a game they could easily make a game out of that, you know, yeah
0: for like sure a
1: full $60 title with like each world being its own thing you yeah. know I wanted to bring up last week and I don't think I did because we ended up getting distracted by other stuff but just the the power-up noises alone like when I heard that PlayStation 1 power-up noise yeah I was like ding and then it had like when you were climbing up that tower I don't know if this is spoilers but spoilers I guess for Astrobot. if you're climbing up that tower and like it's doing the Sony Entertainment startup part, you know, like yeah, just, like all the TVs. You're climbing up like a tower of TVs, and it's doing like the Sony Entertainment like yellow diamond thing. And I'm just yep. like, oh my god, this yeah. is amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah, they they nailed it, dude. They like Nintendo did better than Nintendo. They out yeah. Nintendo <laughs> Nintendo because I feel like that's the only. <laughs> analogy you can really make is like the way the treatment that Nintendo tries to give like Mario games and stuff like that with little uh easter eggs in them and stuff and they this is just fantastic it's so yeah. good and then I played Spider-Man Miles Morales which is again fantastic uh, it's basically more Spider-Man which is yep. there's nothing wrong with that and Miles has Venom attacks which is new feature Compared to Spider Man 2018.
1: He has a way less gadgets, but his gadgets are cool.
0: Yeah, exactly. You you have the ones that you need. There's no power-up moves. Like I know in Spider-Man 2018, you could like once you basically his venom attacks are the replacement for Spider-Man 2018's like power-up attacks, whatever they were Mm -hmm. called. But the gameplay is like basically the same. Funny story, man. Couple I started on my PS4. And then figured out how to transfer the save over to Uh-oh. my PS five finally. It unlocks the trophies for both. So like Uh-oh. all the trophies that I got as a trophy whore, you know how happy I was on the inside <laughs> when that happened. Like I so I downloaded the save and then started the game and all these trophies just start popping for they all the time popped. I yeah,
1: like back to back. Just, I mean, That's
0: I good. I hit pause and waited for them all to pop, so it was like five minutes of
1: you're just like, oh, ah. yeah, exactly, just
0: being elated at that happening, um, which is pretty cool. So, and I bought the 2018 Spider-Man Remastered, and they're supposed to, you're supposed to be able to transfer, transfer your save from that also. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, which I never played the DLC, so that was my main reason for purchasing that. So I'll probably transfer my save and then play the DLC. But the thing about this next gen, you know, we're in a place where 4k 120 hertz is a thing and my TV can do 4k 60 frames per second. So I was super frustrated because when I started AstroBot, it's like you're not outputting at you can pick 4k or you can pick 60 frames and I'm like, what the hell this TV is supposed to be doing it. So I switched inputs Mm -hmm. on my TV still didn't work. And I'm like, I know this isn't right. So I had to do like scour the internet. Turns out the inputs on my TV that have the capacity to do that were inputs two and three. And I was putting it, I switched it from input one or input four to input one.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> so I literally <laughs> just like
0: barely went around it. So I was still able to get all the ray tracing and stuff. But it wasn't until I started playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla that I realized that. I was on the wrong input. So I've played all this, all these games like Astro's playroom and all of Spider-Man without using the full capacity of uh PS five and my TV. So, <laughs> and that brings me to AC Valhalla, which I'm only a few hours in and I, I it's still hard for me to, it doesn't really feel like an Assassin's Creed game yet. Oh my so. gosh,
1: dude, I'm with you and power through it because it will, it like, once that feeling goes away, it's just back to, to amazingness because I don't want to interrupt you too much, but I think I know what you're about to say. Like, it's not Cassandra. And I spent so much time with Cassandra that like, I don't know. I was like, who's this Avor? Like, that's kind of what I was like, like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's definitely like ingrained in the Viking stuff and it's, it's cool. Um, and I definitely am going to see it through, but yeah, you said it perfectly. Like, this isn't cassandra like was the first Mm -hmm. thing that i thought and also i don't know if it's because we live in minnesota man but the snowy coldness just Mm -hmm. does not appeal to me as much as like the beautiful greek scenery you know what i mean
1: 100 percent agree and i think you nailed it Uh, i think a lot of the world never sees snow so that's like cool for them but yeah for us, it's like this is outside yeah <laughs> like, this is outside i don't want to
0: do this <laughs> <laughs> right but i'm i i have all the hope that it'll you know i i'm gonna see it through it's it, and, the gameplay still fun so
1: and to be fair once you get to england and like your homestead and stuff everything gets greener so yeah there's that you're just in like the beginning little i don't even know Dude, yeah the the title screen doesn't pop in that game for like hours it's weird
0: that's how I know. I remember on Odyssey, I played it for uh, what was it, five to six hours before it popped, and this one yeah. I'm four hours in and it still hasn't popped, so that mm-hmm. doesn't surprise me in the least bit. So I know there's a lot yet to come. So,
2: I'm what do you awesome like about it so
0: for... far? Well, I mean, it is the same as like it goes down the path of Origins and Odyssey, where it's the like Dark Souls ish type combat. Uh, it mm. just for now, it just seems it's too easy. Like every guy you come across, it's just like hit R1 a few times and they go away and then focus on the next guy and keep okay, moving yeah, forward. Long. <laughs> I didn't think so, but right now it's basically just raiding every Island. And I, and this is why I don't mean to sound too negative on it because I know it'll turn itself around. You just, mm-hmm. these games now require you to invest a lot of time before they kind of unravel. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I, I do like the characters and like Sigurd and even Eivor. I went the path of let the animus decide or whatever. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you play as female Eivor the whole
1: time or what, but um, you can switch it whenever you want.
0: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So I'm playing as female Eivor and I, I don't know why Same. I prefer that in Assassin's Creed games, but that's probably just cause Cassandra was so such a badass. So yeah, I'll probably just keep going with that. And yeah, I, I don't know how the ship combat's going to turn out. Have you played
1: that mini game? I can't remember og- 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 Oh, the dice game? Yeah. Dude, I'm playing with like I'm in the party with a, b- a bunch of Austrian guys, you know, and they're all yeah, like, yeah. "Can you pronounce Oggog?" Og- 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 og? and I'm like, "No." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs>
0: exactly. I can't Man. pronounce anything in that game, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's I I look forward to playing it a little bit more. So, we'll see what is your how far are you into it
1: actually have it open in front of me I don't know how many hours I'm in but I am power level 67 which holy shit is decent but like the first area that you go to in England is like power level 20 and like everything surrounding it on one side is like 90 and then the one next to you I found out later but wasn't even unlocked yet is 55 so like I've been basically underpowered this entire game. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So it's like, like I said, it's not going to be easy for long unless you stay in like the easy area because it kind of gives you like, you know, green means you're overpowered. Yellow means you're the same. Red means they're dangerous and skull means they're going to like destroy you.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing with this game, much like the most like Odyssey is it has it's like the Ubisoft formula, man. I swear they figured out how far do we put away another like marker to make you interested mm-hmm. in it enough to go pursue it. So like, like I'll finish. Oh, yeah. Like the balance of distance. <laughs> yeah. Because I'll finish something and then I'll hit the map and I'll be like, well, that's not that far away. I might as well go check it out. And then like, so you go check it out and it takes you three minutes and then you open your mini map and you're like, oh, well, I'll just go check that out before I finish playing, you know what I mean? And then (laughs) five hours later, you found yourself like doing a bunch of stuff that, uh, you didn't intend to do, you know, which is fine. That's, I mean, they have a good loop to them, but, uh, it's just kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah.
1: In, in a lot of ways, this is literally the exact same game as Odyssey, because there's the people you have to go assassinate. There's the, I forget what they're called. Zealots. They're called instead of, um, bounty hunter whatever the hell they were called in the last game yeah and yeah and it has like you know the same main quest and then the side quest the cool thing about this game i really like is the settlement because i wish that cassandra had like a home island and you kind of have that in this with the settlement um and it makes the raiding feel necessary like at first i was like i don't want to be raiding all the time but then when i like oh i'm like 10 supplies away from Building this building, um, let's go do a raid, and then I'm like, we're going to steal Christ's gold and burn his house to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like all in on it. So the raiding definitely grew on me.
0: Yeah, it's it's just that it doesn't I guess I was used to I don't know. I haven't gotten really around to any of the sneaking. Everything is just like in your face, like up, yeah. up front and personal, and that's not really how I play Assassin's Creed games I like to sneak around and take guys out like slowly and then kind of see where guys are
1: filling holes mm. and that kind of thing And well it's always been kind of like a lone wolf thing yeah it's like you're by exactly. yourself in Jerusalem and you're on your own as an assassin agent and then this has like a huge team aspect like you have a crew that you're like rolling around with
0: yeah I'm, I'm hoping that stuff kind of finds its way to the top like, as it goes. Because I know, I mean, we just, I just got the blade, the stabby blade that you get in every Assassin's Creed game. Mm-hmm. So I just, like, used that for the first time. And oh, yeah. took out Kyotevik or whatever. Kyot Kiot uh, something. The,
1: the the evil guy from the beginning? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyotvik. Oh, Kyotvik. Uh, no, no spoilers. Yeah. Um, so...
0: But yeah, I'm guessing it'll open up.
1: There is one mechanic that they have where like, even during a raid, there's, you know how, like, when you go into the bad area, it'll be like, I can't remember the exact words they use for it, but this is a danger zone, and it, like, turns red on your screen, and it's, like, restricted area. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Restricted area. This one has, like, a distrust area, and if you put your cloak on during that, you can, like, walk around without anybody attacking you, even while your guys are, like, raiding it. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's kind of cool. You can kind of, like, walk around and, um, like, loot stuff while they're fighting then if somebody sees you like the cloak pops off and you have to like fight it's pretty sweet so there is kind of that sneaking aspect that you can you know choose to play more of if you want it's kind of like a choice which is cool
0: yeah as it has been in other assassin's creed games i feel like it just it's more time consuming but it's quote-unquote easier if you go about it with a little bit of stealth rather than just go in there hacking up everyone you run across Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's about all we have for games we're playing as of right now. Why don't we go over to the future where AJ will put in this fantastic interview that we had with the composers of Cyberpunk 2077. Please enjoy, and we will have news following this.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's special segment. We are lucky enough to welcome several of the musical composers from CD Projekt Red's upcoming new video game, Cyberpunk 2077. Joining us today are our guest Marcin Pesolverich whose name you might recognize from some of their work in Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. How are you doing today Marcin? Uh, I'm doing fine thank you how are you? I'm doing well also here today with work in Gwent the Witcher card game PT Adamczyk. PT we're glad you could make it how are you doing?
3: I'm, I'm great thanks for having me
1: That's awesome. And finally, joining us all the way from the credits of Warhammer 40,000 Dawn of War 3, Paul Leonard Morgan. Paul, thanks for being here today. Glad you could join us.
3: Nice to see
1: you. All right. Now, listeners, if you haven't heard of Cyberpunk 2077, you must be living under a rock because it's one of 2020's (laughs) most highly anticipated games. uh, Set in a neon-clad future in a universe that shows the cyberpunk version of what could happen if corporate greed and climate change goes unchecked. I personally could not be more excited for the RPG to release on December 10th. Uh, I'd be remiss, though, if I didn't ask, you know, some of you who have actually worked on the game, just what is Cyberpunk 2077?
4: Five years of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Five years, huh? I love it. Well, what is it? It's a, hmm. Depending on how, you know, on the context of this, this question, it's a another entry in brief, but very intense history of CD Projekt Red. So the next big RPG I'm very excited for, and actually playing the game before launch. Uh, I'm almost envy all these players who are going to, you know, see it and experience it for for the first time. But in terms of what the game is really about, I think that at least for me, this is, the game about um the fragileness of life you got to live in 2077 world destroyed uh, after wars and climate changes in the very last of the big me- megapolis uh, the night city uh which is very colorful fast and you know overstimulus place to live in and basically you can you know follow your dreams there but also it's a very shady dark and dangerous place and the narrative arc that is waiting for you uh once you start to play cyberpunk uh it's gonna i think it's gonna tear you apart both emotionally and uh in terms of you know the spectacle you're about to see so I'm not sure if it's easy to answer this question with just one simple sentence.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I mean, you'd answered it way better than I ever could have. So we're here today to talk more about the music in the game, um, what you guys are experts on. Just in regards to music in general, I don't know if you guys want to go around for a minute. What, what are you guys just listening to in your personal lives lately? Uh, like what's on, your, what's on your Spotify playlist? The Witcher. Three.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that it's is a fantastic study study playlist.
4: You, you got a lot of to catch up if you're still listening to it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you, do you know what, what's awful is I never freaking get the chance to listen to music. I was, like, think to somebody the other day about that, and I was like, because yeah, you're always composing and working. There's a danger that, for me. Anyway, I just always think if you listen to other music, it subliminally kind of creeps into your head and you know, like it or not, that's going to affect the way that you're composing. So I ch- actually try hard not to listen to that much music because okay. it comes by 20 hours of the day and those other four that I'm sleeping, I just don't want to hear anything else. Makes that's, sense.
1: That's funny. Um, when it comes to making music for video games specifically, is it harder to kind of go into a piece like thinking i want a person to feel this way or i want to create this experience um what kind of goes into to that like when you're when you're thinking about starting it
3: well i mean in case of cyberpunk we basically started writing the music writing the actual music not just thematic material or or you know motifs little sounds that we recorded here and there but mm-hmm. we started everything like you would start writing a film score Basically we spotted the whole game. So if one of us was tasked with writing a specific cue, we already sort of knew the place for it and what it should do emotionally and where in the narrative uh, we're playing that, that piece. So, you know, the answer to your question is kind of both because you think about the big picture where it fits in. You also think about the specific moment is that, you know, what type of a moment it is you know are we trying to you know sell you something like okay this is a scary moment or this is a very transcendental almost moment uh-huh. so you know and when you take all that stuff out and you start writing new music and you write for a couple, of, couple hours then at the very end you have to think about how the hell you're going to implement that and think about the technical aspects of it you know Is that a loop? Should I, you know, chop this uh, cue into two separate segments and, you know, loop them sort of independently? Or maybe I should do like a layered approach, what we call a vertical approach and have different stems that add on uh, to each other and, you know, create a sort of uh, crescendo in the music. So, yeah, all those things are taken into consideration.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, Um, I I was going to ask a question about, how like when you're creating these pieces you're kind of thinking in your mind oh this has to be able to play over and over and over again on a loop without becoming repetitive for the player um is that like something you're thinking of first and foremost or are you more worried about the sound first and then i guess the the repetitive level later
3: <laughs> i think music comes first implementation comes second but uh for music to come first, the implementation has to come first in a weird <laughs> way. Like you have to understand, well, where and how you're going to implement it, implement that. Like, okay, if, if that queue just requires a loop, then a loop it is, you know, and you then write it and you don't think about implementing because already you already sort of know what it has to do technically. Um, so so then you just write this cue and if later you figure out well i could i could use one more layer here or i could you know separate that piece or you know maybe i can introduce a different cue from a different point of, in the game and sort of merge them to into one that's like an additional layer of implementation you do still in your daw but um yeah i i think the music comes first
2: awesome but i think creates Creatively as well, just to kind of add to that, is you've got to think about it. Like, you can't just think, oh, this is a technical thing because music is all about emotion. So when Mm -hmm. you're writing, you know, it's all about kind of coming up with whether it's a theme or a sound or a motif or whatever. But there is definitely a... Writing music for video games is so technical from a point of view, as you say, it's loops. But it then goes into another loop and another track. And those loops are made of various layers. So, I mean, it's super clever what's actually done. But you've got to be careful that if you've got a really catchy motif, for example, you're only actually using it maybe kind of three times in a three minute loop, because otherwise it's going to get on people's nerves as Mm -hmm. opposed to be a really effective device. Okay. yeah,
0: I've noticed that I don't know how you folks do that. I've noticed that in games, if you a game I'm currently playing, there's a certain uh, vocal aspect to the game that just kind of gets to the back of my brain and is making it to where, like, I can't focus on the gameplay because it's kind of distracting. And how you folks are able to make it kind of not only inspiring, but also accommodating to the scenery and what's going on without being irritating has always fascinated me. Are you, do you, so I, I'm not sure, Paul, if it was you that said it, but you said this has been like the last five years of your life.
4: Uh that's
0: right. yeah. <laughs> oh, Martine, sorry. Uh,
2: 23 for me. Oh, gotcha. So
0: if you're able to say, does CD Projekt Red supply you with like, oh, these are the scenes that we're looking at right now or these are where this is what's taking place or do they, are, do you read what's like the script of what's going on and that's your inspiration for creating the music? You play the board game. How do you find your inspiration for what this is, especially as a fantasy fan, in the the discrepancy between the fantasy world and the cyberpunk world, I just find that interesting. If you could maybe get into that a little bit,
4: well, it's so. It, well, you need to remember that PT and I are working as in-house composers, which means that well, not now because of the pandemic, but yep. right. Um, normally, we would come. To the office, uh, go to our writing rooms, and basically work. Which means that we have constant access to the game, all oh. the scripts, concept arts, mood boards—you name it. So, cool. whatever works for us, whatever can contribute to, you know, trigger that spark that would end up with, you know, musical idea. It's there under our disposal, and it's actually up to us to figure out where are the specific places where we should do something specific with the music or what emotional background we should build with the music to elevate uh, a given scene so um, that took us obviously months of planning months of reading watching playing the game even though you know the game was on very early stage back in the day uh, to you know Write this all down. See where we are. See where we are going, and plan things out throughout next years of work. So, um, it's a long process, but it gets things done.
2: It's true. You've got to immerse yourself in the world. You're saying, do you get access to the scripts, or you get access to that? if you don't immerse yourself in what well, you, you don't know what you're writing for, if you don't know what you're writing for, then you can't create a sound for it. And we spent nine months creating the sound for this game before we even started really composing any of it to specific scenes. So it's not a case of knowing what a scene or a script is. It's a case of bloody reading the law. You know, right, understanding right. everything about
0: it. Yeah. It has to be pretty in depth, I would imagine. Cause yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's not a, just a, Oh, here's a five minute segment. Now develop a, you know, compose for, uh, 60 hours of gameplay. I can't imagine that's really how it goes down. So make them sad uh, here. Exactly. I <laughs> Aj. Aj. I'm gonna sneak in one more question, if if you don't mind it. Oh yeah. The games that I know Warhammer. I was listening to the soundtrack because that's the game I'm probably least familiar with. So I was listening to it a little bit and. I play a little bit of guitar and i am trying to convince my wife to let me buy a digital drum set just mostly because <laughs> for no reason other than I want one, but that's about the extent of my knowledge of music. And I, I do find it fascinating how you folks are able to develop a, or compose for a fantasy or high fantasy world and then transition to cyberpunk 2077, which I can't even think of bigger juxtaposition of music. Than those two things. It's almost like they're in opposite universes. Was that difficult for you folks to do? I'm guessing that test different skills that you have in music. So, could you go into detail about that a little bit?
4: Obviously, it requires you utilizing different production methods, using different tools, instruments, and approaches to compose music or produce music because, you know, there are so many ways you can make music. Uh, but I think in the end it's more like a matter of learning another dialect of the language you are already speaking because you know in the end the most important thing in music is this emotional layer if the music doesn't really do anything here uh, that means we did a you know bad job basically so uh, especially in visual media like video games, movies, or whatever, um, music needs to do something because music has a specific purpose to serve. So, you know, once you filter out all these synthesizers, noises, distortion sounds, and whatnot, the essence of music needs to be there. And honestly, it doesn't really differ that much from whatever, for example, I have been working on The Witcher. Obviously, we did use different sounds we did uh, rely heavily on musicians rather than on synthesizers, but in the end, uh, it's all about catching this
1: essence, really. Awesome. So I've been listening to the Cyberpunk 2077 original score EP uh, that recently went out on the streaming services, and I'm making a couple assumptions about what I know from the Night City Wire episodes um, and the titles of these tracks it looks like some of these might sort of coincide with the different origin stories for these three life paths. For example, uh, Martin Corpo seductions seems suspiciously close to the title of one of the game's origin stories, the Corpo. Uh, PT has a song called Badlanders, which I believe the Badlands is where uh, the Nomad's life path will start. What has inspired you about the different life paths to make these different sounds? And are these tracks sort of a, a theme song of sorts for these life paths, or is it more towards, like, the area where they will be starting?
3: Well, when it comes down to Badlanders, this track, you read it correctly, Uh, this track (laughs) is written for that area uh, in the game, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really underscore these, uh, you know, nomad beginnings. It's actually uh, a track that accompanies combat with, you know, the hostile people you can... Uh, you can find in the Badlands. Okay. So, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, a post-apocalyptic wasteland, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, uh, let's say, movie connotations like Mad Max or That's Blade exactly. Runner, you know, and, you know, trying to conjure up a sound that would describe this, you know, um, this desolate wasteland on... So yeah, I used a lot of distortion. By by but by a lot of distortion, I mean you know distortion on top of distortion, on top of distortion with you know sprinkled with distortion on top. <laughs> so a lot of the a lot of the sounds are basically uh, I'm fitting you know some not really impressive sounding stuff into the distortion pedals, and basically by adding harmonics, you sort of get the sound that you can hear in the track.
2: That's a world record for the number of times distortion has been used in a sentence. <laughs> in
1: a sentence. <laughs> Somebody call Guinness.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool. I really like that. I'm not gonna lie, the Badlander song is one of my favorites so far and it kind of has leaned me into maybe choosing that life uh that life path when I get the game on December tenth. Do you folks play games or <laughs> yeah. when I have time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was... <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs>
0: Exactly. I would guess that's probably not something you're spending most of your time, especially nowadays, composing. So is that difficult or not really? It's just the same as like uh, doing it for a movie or
2: whatever. Well, I I would imagine like he's played it however many times as we're going along, you know, and again, it's pixels rather than full on graphics. And it's been so exciting seeing the graphics come into their own in the last three, four months. It's been I oh, it's unreal yeah but when martin was over at my studio in la he brought along you know looked like something that the cia might carry it was like the <laughs> case uh and he was playing the game in my studio um streaming into the cdpr server in warsaw um and it was phenomenal a that technically just to be able to do that but it's yeah. all, there's also something about it where you kind of you you're trying to imagine i mean it's always going back to john's question earlier on here you know, you're trying to imagine the game and how it's going to be and with a film you're just you're looking at visuals the entire time it's been shot it's been pretty much edited so you're scoring it to one specific whereas with this you're just trying to again immerse yourself in the world of night city in the cyberpunk 2077 land and so seeing my playing playing it, it suddenly opened up my eyes i was like okay so now i'm trying to get an idea i can see roughly how this 20 minute bit of gameplay might work and it really gets you into it but there's something about being able to go into a game for the first time or see a movie for the first time and not know what's going to happen the excitement factor of that is yeah. we had the excitement factor of seeing it all gradually progress over three three and a half five years whatever and seeing it get to this stage now where it's like, oh my god the baby's about to be delivered to the world you know it's great everyone's going to see it but you don't well i don't know you guys maybe do but i don't think you quite get that excitement that other people have because you kind of know what's going on i mean you don't because you can always make your choices but you don't quite have that whole freshness of oh my goodness you're suddenly seeing all this with you know, a pair of eyes for the first time
0: yeah i've unlike aj i think i've maintained a dark or a blind eye to like the night city wire and stuff because because of that exact thing i i want that Immersion in that world when it comes out. I don't want anything to be spoiled. I want to be fresh when I first see it So it's like having a baby being born without knowing the sex and why
4: while while on the other hand uh, I don't know how many times you PT played the game already. I haven't I'm still playing so you know the counting uh, Didn't stop but (laughs) I remember I did play The Witcher 3 six times. Wow. Uh, from start to finish complete playthroughs before launch it took me about six or eight weeks so roughly a week for one playthrough which which is intense for the for game that big and i've never touched witcher on on, after launch (laughs) probably it's gonna happen the same way with cyberpunk i'm not gonna play it no way
0: (laughs) yeah it brings back ptsd or something like that interesting
1: that's that's kind of like romantically sad in a way you made this beautiful thing, and you don't get to enjoy it. Well, well, you know, to to push that
4: baby analogy, you you have sex, you deliver, and then leave, basically.
1: So <laughs> it doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, you're abandoning your baby. Oh, no.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, good times.
3: Was it, was it satisfying, Marcin?
2: <laughs> Which part?
3: <laughs>
2: oh, goodness. All right. Um,
0: oh, man, that's a good one.
1: I guess one more question here um, before we get, get sort of wrap it up. Was it hard? I mean, I know it was hard for the entire world. Everyone had to change, but I guess what specifically was hard about this when it comes to dealing with the pandemic and remote working? Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a band called the Postal Service. They they made oh, their love. music like via the mail, like sending tracks back and forth to each other. Was it? I guess can you comment on that, like the difficulties of remote working?
3: I loved home office mode. Yeah,
1: me too. <laughs> really,
3: it was He had shower great. for six months. Yeah. I mean, I actually really enjoyed that. And I think in a lot of ways, the fact that uh, we didn't have to commute, that we could work and, you know, really focus on the game in the last couple months of the development. I think it will show, you know, in the, in the quality of the experience. I think, I hope, okay. uh, because, you know, from our point of view, our, you know, asset wise, we were basically done. I mean, very few cues were written, you know, after the pandemic started. So we basically were, you know, tweaking stuff in, in our audio engine, you know, as smart things, I mean, I played the, this game probably 10 times already. Well, wow. I mean, I stopped counting after the 10th time, to be honest.
2: I hate you yeah. all.
0: It. <laughs> yeah, they sound so bored of it like, oh, I've played <laughs> it so many times already uh, uh, you know,
3: the, the thing is I mean, most, you know, The first, let's say One or two or three play playthroughs I mean, it was just me With a you know, separate screen When I would just write Okay, this cue is not triggered This queue is not triggered This is triggered not in the place I want it to be triggered So, you know It was mostly about finding errors Which is, you know That's the, the most pleasing you know thing to do uh but yeah, you know, the, the some of the last ones were, i you know almost uh, I, I hope almost as good as the one that you know that the players are gonna finally play
2: for sure the pandemic I, just from my point of view hasn't changed it at all because like as composers i'm in la anyway and they're in warsaw but <laughs> as composers there's nothing, for me, nothing worse than composing in front of someone else anyway because you become very self-conscious about mm. trying out things. You know, the composing process is such that you start and it might be just playing a track or it might be Mozart or it might be, I don't know, Prodigy or it might be Chemical Brothers, Whatever you're playing, you're just mucking around with some bass lines or some melodies or some drums. But it takes you know, for a while to get your brain you know, going into that creative mode. So I can't do that in front of anyone else. So for me, I'm just in my studio anyway, kind of doing that. So we've always been working back and forth remotely anyway. And, you know, I'm sending stuff. They're getting up in the morning, listening to my stuff. I might be going to bed, to get, you know, get some sleep, whatever. It's just been this kind of flow for three years, sending stuff back and forth. So it hasn't really affected anything, even if there was still a ton of music to write. I think our process has still been the same, that we're sending ideas back and forth, sending sounds back and forth, and kind of, you know, just taking it from there.
1: Awesome. I guess one more before I get into our wrap up here. There doesn't seem to be, I know, I know the cyberpunk genre has been around forever with the board game and novels and and all this stuff, but there hasn't really been, at least to my knowledge, like a ton of mainstream media. You know, you mentioned earlier Blade Runner, um, but uh, Chris, our other podcast co-host who couldn't make it today, he was wondering if there was kind of like a freedom of sorts in almost being able to like, put a stamp on the cyberpunk genre as like you guys are kind of almost like creating the music for it in a way do you guys have that feeling at all
4: absolutely though i need to add that i wouldn't agree with statement that there aren't that many sure um movies or tv shows or whatever that are based on the setting because Mm -hmm. you know even if we leave out the, the let's say the Western pop culture for a minute and focus okay. on J- Japanese stuff. For example, yeah. there is Ghost in the Shell, there's Akira, there are tons of other things, and actually Japanese are great with with cyberpunk, um, especially with with that um, more transhumanism part of cyberpunk in mind. So, um, you know, the in terms of goods of culture, uh, I think that that path has been paved in several ways already before we got to make our own take on Cyberpunk, but obviously it doesn't mean we weren't able to act freely or try to do it in our own way and basically that's what we did. We uh, read. We, we have read tons of stuff, uh, tons of game documentation, Yeah, I also um, read again the source book, which I was playing in high school. And actually, we did form some sort of ground rules for music for that project, which I believe have led us to come up with something that is ours, but also serves the Cyberpunk 2077 very well, because you need not to forget that it's not just a, any game set up in Cyberpunk universe. It's a game that has Cyberpunk in its title because it's, it's an adaptation of already well-known pen and paper RPG system, which has been around for, I don't know how many years, 30, 30 something, I think something, something like that. So it's a very well-described, uh, very well-known world. Uh, which, by the way, didn't have enough luck in the past to to have its own video game yeah. and also have its own music. So, you know, that's where we come in, all in white. Um, yeah.
1: That's awesome. Cool. Well, wow, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. That does it for our very special Cyberpunk segment. Martine, PT, Paul, I'm so glad you all could join us today. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule, especially... You know 16 days out from launch Uh, I could not be more excited to play this game you know fight some baddies to these tracks that you guys have put out Um, listeners if you guys are looking for them you can find the cyberpunk original score EP on streaming services thank you all for listening please stick around for the rest of our episode Uh, we're coming back to your ears right about meow
0: thanks future AJ that was a fantastic interview I was right to think so
1: yeah it was you were (laughs) right
0: and now we'll move on to some news First, we got a rare copy of Super Mario Bros. 3 Breaks World Record for Most Expensive Video Games. Meaning, I really wish I would have could turn back the clock and go buy a copy of that game. You know what I mean? I just kept it? Yeah. Unopened uh, in a
1: closet somewhere?
0: Exactly. AJ pulled this from Emma Kent over at Eurogamer, but this thing sold for... Do you have it off the top of your head, AJ? I just oh, there. I do. It's like one hundred and seventeen thousand pounds, one hundred and fifty-two thousand dollars, or something like
1: that. Oh, I had it open. Hold on, one hundred fifty-six thousand dollars. One hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars. Yeah, it, $156, 000. $156, 000. Yep. that's insane. For
0: probably one of the best. I mean, what a fantastic game! I know Chris said in our Slack like it's well deserved, and he's dead on, man. Like mm-hmm. that game redefined a genre that was barely even started you know 2d platformers and made us think of things that we didn't even know were possible in video games on the freaking nes dude it's mm-hmm. another thing i frequently forget is that game wasn't a super nintendo game even though it did look if you go back and play it man it looks amazing i would tell that game if you know damn well aj you know me you know my gameplay style you know if that game came out or a game like it i would be like mm, i'm playing that like <laughs> for sure today and it came out 30 years ago, almost. So, yeah, crazy. A Texas based uh, auctioneer heritage auction sold it on Friday, I guess they never say, which I understand. It's for for privacy reasons, but they never say who ends up with these things.
1: It's true. I guarantee it's for privacy. Yeah. And maybe like, I don't know. John Swanson doesn't want like his co-workers to know he spent hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a video game
0: yeah valid point they probably <laughs> I'm guessing the people who can afford these auctions probably value their privacy and don't want to be reached out it would probably be bad uh pub on the auctioneer if they're like oh yeah this was Tim Schwartzlander just call him over at this number I'm sure he'll love to talk to you
1: Tim Schwartzlander yeah it's always him it's gonna you be know it is new alias Timmy Schwartz
0: <laughs> dude you gotta have at least three aliases dude that's a known fact oh, that's uh that's funny
1: I'm, what uh a... i'm jeff jefferson <laughs> oh
0: that's good uh what have you gotten into your switch and played the apparently the mario brothers 2 that was actually the mario brothers 2
1: is available on with the mario 35th anniversary thing I have not. I've been super neglecting my Switch since my PlayStation 5 came out. I did play a little bit of Hades because I was shamed into it (laughs) last week. (laughs) But uh, no, I have been really neglecting my Switch.
0: Yeah, I need to... I've been playing it. I was on the airplane going to Arizona and stuff, so I was playing some stuff on there. But yeah, I need to get in there and do it because knowing Nintendo, that's probably one of the things that's going to go away after March. So... And then I'll let AJ tell us more about this one, because he probably read more about it than I did. But apparently two weeks after launch, Xbox, Xbox is having problems with the Crooked Zoom.
1: Well, the, I'm taking this from an article put together by Ari Notis at Kotaku. And basically what happened was, is there was like a little bug or glitch that happened like right at the beginning of this quick resume like around the the launch of series xbox around the launch of xbox series x and they had to like change something in the programming or update it or whatever and that caused it so every single game that was using this quick resume feature had to individually update it themselves so like they lost i think a lot of games that were supposed to have it and then apparently Assassin's Creed Valhalla which was one of the games that was working for the quick resume like randomly just stopped working or like intermittently works like sometimes it works fine sometimes it just boots it all the way from like scratch like starts the game completely over I'm going to take this quote right from the article it says the issue is that some games work and some don't and there's precious little clarification in either direction Alongside some broader questions about Quick Resume, Kotaku asked Microsoft for a list of games that do and don't support the feature. Uh, they did not provide any list, but they pointed to a tweet from November 9th saying that they're working quickly to fix things. So it sounds like they're just having like a little bit of a rocky start with Quick Resume and that it will probably be worked out. But um, it just kind of sucks that something so highly touted by Xbox is kind of you know hitting some some bumps at the beginning here.
0: Yeah, for sure. I know that was one of the features You know, going pre-launch. We hadn't heard a lot from PlayStation about whether or not it was going to include this feature, and we found since launch that they have that little switcher thing, but it certainly isn't what Quick Resume is, because apparently Quick Resume just puts you back exactly where you were, whereas the switcher, it's nice because you can go right back and forth in between games, but Mm -hmm. you still have to go through the load screen and credits and all are like you know opening screen that we're, we're used to seeing so yep. uh i'm wondering aj do you think playstation will have an answer to that soon i got a feeling it can happen with an update or something so i think they will
1: yeah I'm i think they kind soon. of have to honestly yeah. i tried it a few times and and i was like yeah this is the switcher is nice but like you said it's just i don't know the there's some lot of things in playstation that need to be fixed like caitlin was talking about last week putting it into rest mode is unnecessarily hard
0: yeah <laughs> and like it things is. like that <laughs> yeah i don't know why they switch from the press the button and you're at this menu versus hold the button and you're at this one you know what i mean it used yeah, to just yeah. be and hold the button go down to rest and you're done yeah why is it more but yeah
1: i think there's a lot that they have to fix with the the, the user experience but, yeah um, you,
0: Dude, I keep telling like people who ask me about it and like are bummed that they didn't get it. Like I understand that to a certain, you know, we're like obviously huge into the gaming community, so we want these things like right when they come out. But mm-hmm. I I honestly don't feel like anybody's really missing much of anything by not getting no. it on launch day. If yeah. anything, you're gonna get a more fit product by the time everything's launched. For instance, I have to send back my controller that came with the system because it's sticking
1: yeah that's bunk
0: the x button is sticking
1: on assassin's creed mine randomly stops vibrating i don't know why i have to like shut it off and turn it back on again and then that yeah sometimes, mine does that too i have to restart my whole system just to get my controller to vibrate again okay so,
0: <laughs> so see this is what i'm saying man because mine did that the <laughs> other
1: day because i noticed like while i was fighting
0: i'm like nothing's vibrating like mm-hmm. do i have it turned on so then i went to menu and it was like oh everything's set up to happen the way it's supposed to so yeah. it's just these as early adopters we have these issues that like people who buy the system in six months won't have you know mm-hmm. so
1: well real quick i want to touch on the last story before we move yeah, on man. to our mostly normal question scalper group brags about buying three thousand five hundred ps systems to sell at an egregious price this is put together by liana rupert at game informer uh, i'm not going to tell who they are or read about too much of it but I just wanted to point out how like messed up this is like yeah. 3,500 to one scalper group. That's fucked up, dude. So like double price.
0: Yeah. I think you put this story in here cause you wanted me to freak out. I think that's <laughs> cause you, you like to listen to me go on rants. And I just you, you <laughs> I think you like to push my buttons on occasion. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, go fuck yourself. These people, uh, like this sucks, dude. Because they're already so hard to get a hold of, and everybody's having problems, and we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic, and rather than trying to get one for yourself, dude, I don't know, I, I'm even mixed about like because I've obviously had people come and ask me, like, "Hey, do you know where I can get one, or if like there's a place that has them on sale?" And I'm kind of like I'm fine telling people like, "Oh, I've heard this place is going to have them or that place or whatever, like fucking mm. Cole, Coles had them on sale yesterday what? And I didn't even Yes, Coles. That's not Strange. even like, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I've thought about like trying to find some, if I can for like friends and family that want them, that are having a hard time finding them. And I'm even torn about doing that. And that's not turning profit. And the fact that you want to turn a profit, like, fuck you, man. Like, I don't know. I I almost want to buy one for from a scalper and then go pick it up and then slash his tires while I'm doing it. Like
1: <laughs> put it Just GPS to be like, hey. Car. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. Now now this costs you money, asshole. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> like and the only the mar- there's a market for it. And I I don't know. I just implore people don't pay the premium. Like I know you're excited about it, but mm-hmm. the only thing you're doing is enabling and endorsing these people to, from doing this behavior, but How like imagine if you bought thirty five hundred PlayStation Fives thinking you would turn them for a profit, and then suddenly you're stuck with thirty five hundred PlayStation Fives. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it would be wonderful if we existed in a world where people didn't want to pay that premium, but unfortunately, I think they probably do. Because it's different if you have kids. You know, if I had guy and he was stoked to get it for Christmas, you know, maybe then I'd be willing to pay that premium. I'd still slash the motherfucker's tires. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you want to have that home video of him opening the box on Christmas? And yeah. Like, oh, make a console. Dude, yeah.
0: one of my buddies bought an Xbox Series X for his kids, and he didn't even open it. Uh, oh, because, man. That would like, be hard for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I, and I was like, I was dumbfounded when he told me he wasn't going to open it. And I was like, wait, you're you're not going to open it? Can like, you just like rebox it? <laughs> that's what I told him, too. I was like, dude, you can figure it out. You're a smart guy. But anyway. <laughs> that's he I hate this scalping culture, man. I know. Yeah, I don't know. I hope next launch they figure out a way to subjugate like these bots yeah. and shit, so that they. Well, can't Well, last do week it. they
1: got me ranting about StubHub. That's how far I went from our scalping <laughs> rant. <laughs> yeah. So, um, enough about news. We're gonna have a little bit shorter news since we had our fancy interview there. Um, you want to get into our mostly normal question here? Sure thing, man. All right, if you could learn only one magic spell but it could only do something mundane and boring like around the house or something. What would your spell do? Uh, I'll step in quick and go first because I did have some time to think about it. And (laughs) my mundane spell is brushing my teeth. I want to just snap my fingers and my my teeth are brushed. I just think that would be so great because I hate when I'm like laying in bed and playing Switch and I have to get up just to go brush my teeth. I want to just like snap my fingers and then lay my head down.
0: I could see that. Can I do the same thing but
1: with my son because
0: I Oh yeah. I fought with him for 40 minutes when I was texting you like
1: What about the Pokémon like, thing? The Pokémon toothbrush thing. That worked for a little bit, man, but like
0: <laughs> my son my son like has this ability to where he can tell when you're trying to get him to do something he doesn't want to do. Oh yeah. So that like it'll work once. Everything works once. But then you have to think of something else cuz he knows what you're doing now and he still doesn't want to do it so and if that doesn't work because that's my son and that's not a that that's a magical power i would take over like being able to shoot lightning out of my hands or start a fire instantaneously because it's so much work to do (laughs) but like vacuuming the floor or maybe picking up his toys like if i could snap my fingers and like or folding and putting away laundry. There are so many, AJ. I think vacuuming the floor though would be my number one. If I could just snap my fingers and the floors were clean, <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> that'd be awesome. I would have said snap my fingers and be able to without having to wipe my own ass. But then I bought a bidet. So oh, now,
1: dude, I have a bidet and I, I can't got- install it because the shape of our toilet blocks like the nozzle. So I'm like trying to screw the thing on and it won't. Uh, uh, I have to go buy like a three-inch extending pipe from Menards during a pandemic just to get my bidet in. So I didn't install it, but <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> so on then that you note, <laughs> that yeah. does it for our show today. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining the podcast this week. John, can you let people know where they can follow along with everything you're up to?
0: Oh, yeah, man. I'm at Johnny Samsonite on the Twitterverse.
1: Awesome sauce. You can find me at AJID on Twitter. Once again, if you want to contribute to the content, you can send emails to podcast at mostinnormalgamers.com follow us on twitter at mngamerspodcast sign up for our newsletter mostly normal monthly at mngamers.substack.com lastly leave us a five star review cuz chris wants you to he's not here today he got stuck updating the drivers on his new pc so he couldn't make it <laughs> uh, john thanks so much for joining us today that's it for our show now go play some games <laughs> bye bye <laughs>